This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in, everybody. A very happy holiday Friday. I'm Ben Kenny, Phillies 24-7, 94-WIP. It is on the clock. A figure of speech which actually will have different meaning entering 2024. There's an extended tease. There's some news on MLB rule changes. We'll get to it. A lot of thoughts on everything happening across Major League Baseball in the free agent world. There are signings. There are some trades. A great piece today by ESPN about maybe the disparity in spending. A lot going on. We'll touch on all of it. We are primarily, obviously, a Philly show. The listening audience, primarily Phillies fans, I would think. And... There's no bigger story right now surrounding the team, and this is where we're going to start, than the Phillies actually being in on Yoshi Yamamoto, the star pitcher from Japan, 25 years old. You've heard about him on this show. Literally the perfect free agent. If I had to craft what I wanted my ideal acquisition to look like, it's a free agent. You're not trading anything to get him. You just pay him money. And he is, like, he's a real pitcher. We're not just talking about a guy that throws hard might break down later in his career, strikes guys out, but is highly volatile. He's none of that. He's a true pitcher. Four to five pitches, can work around a lot of different things, pitches to contact effectively. Like everything you read about this guy is that his game is going to translate to the MLB very easily. And it's going to be one that can have real longevity. So it's all worth it. You've heard me, you've heard me rave about the guy. There's a reason that all of the best and highest spending teams in baseball are after him. So that's, I mean, he's at the center of everything going on here. Because we know the Wheeler extension, I mean, might happen in the future. And there's this Harper extension, which we don't have anything more on. I don't have any more thoughts on it, aside from Scott Boris is just pulling the strings. But the big thing right now is Yamamoto. I have, over the last week, I have a big thought on what has transpired And it's expanding on what we talked about last week. But I have, over the last week, the general updates on the Yamamoto saga. Because he is, with Otani now signed, the center again of the sport. John Heyman, first, as we were actually finishing our show last Thursday, reported that the Phillies met with him. Like, straight up, they had a meeting, they gave a pitch. And then we later learned, when Alex Coffey reported on Monday, uh, the Phillies are expected to be aggressive. There was a FaceTime from Bryce Harper part of the pitch obviously probably showing playoff highlights things of that nature the allure of being pretty much the trailblazer in terms of Japanese baseball in Philadelphia because I believe there have only been two in franchise history not a franchise that has gotten into that market and should as we've discussed like the pitch is that he could be the trailblazer in that space and also have this amazing legacy of winning and then also there was an offer as was, uh, I believe, somewhat recently reported, but that's all. Apparently, the offer came at that time. So that was the general gist of what happened over the weekend and on Monday. I believe Matt Gelb reported, and Alex Coffey confirmed, that there is an offer on the table. They made an offer, which means they're serious. They're not just doing this to do it. They're not just the team that everybody throws in because, oh, we think the Phillies could be in. It's like they are actually out for him, and... Again, the pursuit, which is a huge deal. Uh, we'll get to that. Aside from the Phillies, though, Jeff Passan came on on Monday and said that the bidding is getting real. Like, we've gone through the whole cycle of everybody meeting and pitching. Now is when the free agency, because that's what it is again, 
really gets going. Um, there were a lot of reports of, you know, 300 plus million dollar bids. At the moment, Passon was shooting it down. I don't know the purpose of that, but pretty much like now teams are going all out. And Jim Bowden, uh, former MLB general manager, works on MLB Network, then said on Wednesday, the Dodgers or the Yankees, in his eyes, were the favorites to land him at the moment. The highest bidders could be the Mets or the Giants, and then the Phillies, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays, more backburner teams, with a projected contract, again, 250 to $300 million. A, a massive, massive investment. And, I mean, one that, if it hits career or franchise-altering, if it misses, probably the same in the other direction. So this was, so that's all from the week. That's all the quick hitters. The big note came from The Athletic earlier today. Thought a really good article. It brought together the writers that covered all the teams involved in Yamamoto. That is the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Red Sox, the Phillies, and the Blue Jays again, and had them explain what they know, what the pitch is for that team being involved, and maybe where it could go and how that team sees itself. So the Yankees, I mean, it said they've only done extended homework. I think we can all agree that, I mean, they are probably the front runner or they are up in that conversation. They're the Yankees. There's been the history and they also have the money and they also have the need. This is a big offseason for them trying to write, or they trade for Soto, trying to write what's gone wrong over the last couple of years. But the Yankees have done extensive homework. That was the piece that was put out there. The Mets, on the other hand, they're rebuilding this year, weirdly. It's like they went all out last year, then they trade Verlander and Scherzer. The Mets now entering a rebuild, but Yamamoto's a move that could help them afterwards too. So it's seen as a long-term play. Um, they just got Kodai Senga last offseason, worked out great. And then Steve Cohen, we talk about money, and no one's going to spend as much likely than Steve Cohen. That's the allure of him as an owner. So the Yankees and Mets up top, I mean, extensive need, extensive money. So you think, as the Phillies are probably a little bit on the outside, it's hard to get into and win a bidding war when both New York teams are involved. And not to mention, also, the Dodgers, who are next listed. I mean, the Otani structure that they just signed makes this all possible. Otani being there undoubtedly going to help their case. It's an easy second step for them in the offseason, going from Otani, who won't pitch next year, to now get Yamamoto. They are they had, I think, the 21st highest-rated rotation last year in terms of wins or whatever, wins above replacement. Like their rotation was bad. Whatever metric you want to use, they were their pitching was not the strength of the team, and that's something they need to change instantly if they want to win next season. So, I mean, it's a move that makes a ton of sense for them. So those, I mean, probably the top three. The Giants, on the other hand, an interesting case, they're going to offer heavily. They have the money. They've missed out on about every big free agent they've been in on over the last couple of years. Now, they maybe didn't miss out on Correa because that could have been other things, but Harper was up there, and the, uh, the athletic writer said they have, quote, never been so all-in on a free agent. So that's another huge spending team on the list. Meanwhile, the Red Sox brought in uh, Masataka Yoshida last year, had a pretty good season, seems to be a good player. Everyone's unaware at how much they'll bid because they've looked like cheap asses over the last couple years, especially letting Mookie Betts go when they had to trade. I mean, they traded him for nothing. And the guys they got back, one of them was Jeter Downs, I believe, who was just signed by the Yankees after not making really anything of a career in Boston. And then Alex Verdugo is the other piece, and he just got traded to the Yankees too. So they've the Red Sox are in a really odd place. They've cut spending. They have not been in with the big boys recently. They have not been winning any races for free agents. And now, I mean, it's a guy that they, again, need because their pitching isn't that good. But nobody knows how hard they'll spend. No one knows if they're really in like everybody else is. So that, um, oh, and the last team is the Blue Jays. They missed on Otani in hilarious fashion, as we documented. They need a statement move. Imagine having a fan base that just got hype and excited about Otani and got duped into thinking he was coming there and then having to go into the season without Otani and without any other big moves. This would be the jolt that maybe makes fans feel better. They have the money. They need the statement. 
So that's all the teams the Phillies are contending with. And I guess here's the general message. Um, everybody's surprised the Phillies are in this far. Really surprised. And I, I'll get to my thoughts on it. But first, Ken Rosenthal on foul territory had this to say earlier today about the Phillies being in on Yamamoto. I would have said no two weeks ago. But learning what we have in the past couple of days, how not only did they meet with him, but they met with him and made a legitimate offer. They are in the mix. So do I expect him to go there? No. They've only had two Japanese players in their history. There's not a great tradition of that there. I wrote about this earlier this week. They're, they're trying to establish a foothold in Japan. And that is why I thought perhaps they encouraged... Joel Wolf, the agent, and Yamamoto to meet with them. They wanted to show they're serious, but this seems to be more than that. And the one thing I will say about the Phillies under John Middleton, he likes his stars. We've seen that. He likes free agents. He likes to go big, and for special players, he will do that. Did it for Harper, did it for Trey Turner, to a lesser extent, Schwarber and Castellanos, and now Aaron Nola. So while it would seemingly put them in luxury tax misery, at the same time, if they feel like they can do it, they are going to do it. And the question then becomes, would he do it? All right, there he is. And, I mean, first, do you see the surprise at the situation, even the Phillies being relevant as deep as we are? And I just outlined to you six of the other teams' biggest case for him and why they need him. And when you pair all of that together, all of it points to, like, why, why are the Phillies doing this? Why are they actually this deep into the process? It doesn't feel like just a show, as Ken alluded to. They could have just been showing that they care about getting into the Japanese market, which Dombrowski had spoken about. And they could have done that and then also not been still discussed this late in the process with a real reported offer on the table. This feels a lot more real than just it being done for show. And again, I look across the rest of the teams that are battling I think the Dodgers and the Yankees are totally desperate for him. And desperation with money leads to high dollar sign, high figures. And also they have the natural connection of other Japanese players, or at least a history of that within their franchise. I think the Mets and Giants are in a different position, but they're very able and they have the money. So that's another piece. You are bidding against... It's it's like going into business in golf like the PGA Tour tried to do or continuing business in golf and trying to bid against the Saudi Wealth Fund. It's like the Phillies are in, and yeah, they they have the money, but it feels like an unwinnable game going up against all of these franchises to get the guy. So there there has to be something else there, and the Phillies, at least, I'm sure, feel that the allure of the last playoff runs and winning and being the face again of Japanese baseball in Philadelphia could be that significant. And if Harper's FaceTime, all that stuff, if that's enough to land the guy, then I'll be it. Like, go do it. My my big thought from this is not that I think the Phillies will get him, because I don't. I think it's very, very unlikely. And their monetary situation with the luxury tax is probably a part of it. But I do want to take somewhat of a victory celebration. I might plan a parade if you're into radio bits. I think we as Phillies fans and supporters of the team totally are right to have a victory celebration just because the Phillies are in on Yamamoto. That's my big thought for the day. I kind of shared it last week, but that was before things seemed to really accelerate this week with the offer and the meeting and the FaceTime. But in the past, I mean, getting close and close and close and close and never landing big free agents would make a thought like this kind of seem asinine. The Green Bay Packers, for instance, their GM, I think, is great at going into the media and telling reporters that they had interest in a free agent that had just signed, that they're missing out on these guys, but they're missing out barely, that they are in on these guys trying to make their team better. Now, if you're not signing any free agents, or in baseball terms, like the Giants barely missing on everybody, they're not going to have a celebration for just being in on this guy. They need him. They need to land him. Same goes for the Yankees. Same goes for the Mets. I would say kind of same goes for the Dodgers, but they have Otani. So they're doing just fine in terms of public perception. But with where the Phillies are, 
both with history in the Japanese market and with their team right now, which again, I think is underrated in the eyes of Phillies fans that have been crushed by the loss in the playoffs and across Major League Baseball, the Phillies don't need Yamamoto first and foremost. So if they are to lose out on him, this is not a season ending loss of a race, right? Like we want the guy. We think he's incredible. They don't necessarily need him on this team. The 2023 rotation, think about this. They had an MOB best, 17.7 wins above replacement, which you can use whatever metric you want. The rotation last year was valuable and very effective, especially in the regular season and also in the playoffs. They were ahead of the other top five in the NL were the Padres, the Cubs, the Braves, and the Marlins. But there was clear separation. The Phillies were number one. The Dodgers, on the other hand, who need Yamamoto, they were 21st in baseball. That is a real deficiency on the team. For the Phillies, it's not. And they just brought back Nola. So it's Wheeler and Nola, who won two. Find me a better one-two in baseball. Ranger Suarez, who will be healthy entering the season, we hope. More healthy than he was last year after pitching in the World Baseball Classic. You have Taiwan Walker, who had good win-loss numbers, I think stunk last year. Anyway, he cannot possibly be as bad and unpitchable as he was at the end of last season. It cannot be as bad as it was because it was so bad last year that they couldn't even throw him on the mound in the playoffs. That Thompson actually had to manage his way into using Kimbrell in game four, partially because they couldn't pitch Walker. And they put Chris Sanchez, who's another guy who's back, who has more innings and more experience. Sanchez forgot how many outs there were. And he looked totally rattled on the mound. So, all I'm saying is that entering the season, the rotation is in a great position. It's It should be one of the best rotations in baseball, again, even without a big improvement. So there isn't the direct, the sky is falling if they don't land him on the team situation. Entering this year, which is the most important part, when we talk about big free agents, if they miss out, what's the plan B? Where are they actually if they do miss? So that's the very nearsighted first part. The second is, I mean, undoubtedly, you have all these luxury tax thresholds in that situation, which I'll actually get into next segment as we talk about one contract on the team. But long story short, paying Yamamoto means large-scale penalties financially, and by penalties, like Middleton's paying a lot more money in taxes. It's not our money. I don't care. We shouldn't care. But the fact that they are in to this extent, the reason I am, another reason I'm thrilled and would be fine taking a victory lap if they miss, is that Middleton's wallet continues to be on the table. And he's not at all deferred by losing, by failed contracts, Taiwan Walker, or by the fact he's already doled out massive deals to everybody. He is not deferred at all. He seems addicted to winning, addicted to spending. So even if they miss on this guy... Going into next offseason, we as fans should still feel confident that he is out there doing whatever he can to help the team. Two years ago, there was the big go over the luxury tax line. He did it. He got Castellanos. Then he went over the next line with the other moves he made. The focus on spending is there. And, I mean, just with where we are today before Yamamoto signs, it's big news for the Phillies going into the future and a Dombrowski-Middleton pair, I think even, again, they have a very tough hill to climb to land him, land this guy. It means good things for the future and with the team, especially as money, certain bad money, which we'll get to, comes off the books. I think this all means, generally speaking, Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, used to be the Red Sox, I would say not anymore, but Dodgers, Yankees, Mets. Throw in another one or two in there. Those are the big boys. Those are the franchises traditionally and now that are the biggest market, that are the biggest spenders, that don't win if you're the Mets, but especially the Dodgers and the Yankees that win and that everybody looks at as the best franchises and the best organizations in the sport. The Phillies right now are on top with them. They are not only in the same conversation. I mean, you may put them above the Yankees, given how things have gone recently. Again, there's there has not been a World Series championship to show for it. 
But when we talk about where the franchise is headed and everything that's happened over the last three years, those are positive signs. The Phillies are a perennial big boy in parentheses, however you want to define big boy. That's how, in terms of the big franchises, that's how I define it. So I'm good with, I, again, I'm good with the victory lap just because the team is in this far and all of the news releases we've gotten, uh, just because they're in this far in Yamamoto, I think it means great things. The final bit, and Matt Gelb had a great blurb in The Athletic on this, part of the general uh, article I was talking about when the writers of all of the teams involved shared maybe why and what the pitch would be, the credit that they would get, or they are getting, the cred with the Japanese market and uh, Japanese players' international market, one that the franchise has not had. Dombrowski has directly spoken about building just to show that they are, like if they get into a final three maybe to to land this guy, you can bring that into the future with the relationships you're developing and you're able to show that you know, we're actually committed to this and you're able to show progress. Like, that's another big piece of this. Here's what, what Gail wrote, and I thought it was great. Um, he said they've, they, the Phillies, have been interested in him for months. They've increased their scouting presence in Japan over the last two years. They've never signed a player to a major league contract directly from Japan. They've not had a Japanese player on their roster since 09. And if fit is important to Yamamoto, that will be a consideration. Yamamoto did not visit Philadelphia this month as he conducted meetings with teams. The Phillies throughout this process have not been quite sure if their interest in Yamamoto was reciprocated. They likely will not be the highest bidders. All of that is working against them. But Dombrowski has a track record of landing stars, note that, and unwavering support from ownership. Second piece we just noted. So the Phillies' presence is at least notable at this stage. What I was generally saying. But yes, They have a very hard hill to climb to land Yamamoto. But how you build that general credit, credibility in that market and in that realm is by being in on races like this. So if they lose out on him, if he goes to the Mets, that's going to suck because he's going to torment the Phillies for the next decade. I I, I would almost be fine if he goes to the Yankees. Send him to the AL. I felt the same way about Otani, but now that he's in the NL, gonna have to live with it. I would love to see Yamamoto not also join him on the Dodgers. But generally speaking, my main thought today that I wanted to lead with is that there are significant things going on, first and foremost. And second, even if said things here don't amount to a signing, I am fine going away from this with positive thoughts. I'm going to take a victory celebration just because the Phillies are in on him. Quote, unquote, in. All right, um, that's, that's where we start today. We should have a lot more on the situation as the week progresses. January 4th is the cutoff for Yamamoto to sign. So maybe next week we don't have anything. But I think as these reports come out, like you heard Ken Rosenthal, there's a little more clarity being added. And I will say, while the Otani stuff is over, and I'm glad we're moving on with the offseason, this stuff is fun. This Yamamoto pursuit is really fun. Because you're getting leaks about interest from all the teams. You're getting... A lot of conversation about what the interest means. It means different things for different franchises at different levels. Some of whom may not even land him, but it's a big piece of everything. The Otani thing is, I mean, you say one word in public, we're going to use it against you. Publicly reprimanding pretty much people from even mentioning the pursuit. So I am enjoying the Yamamoto free agency a lot more than I did uh, Otani's, to say the least. All right, it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We will step away. We come back. Hypothetically, I wanted to introduce a thought experiment here. And we're going to start doing this throughout the offseason. I'll lead with a big thought or a big take based on what's going on with the team and the sport. And then we'll do a little thought experiment, hypotheticals, thoughts generally entering next season before talking about what is actually happening, which, again, we will get to. Rule changes, some free agency moves, some trades. But a hypothetical about the team, one move that I would make if I had a magic wand entering next season. We'll tell you what that is on the other side. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back. It is on the clock. Ben Kenny with you. Phillies 24-7, 94WIP. As always, I'm at Ben Z Kenny on Twitter, where if you do, and maybe I'll throw this out there as a poll, maybe I won't, but if you do agree, if you do disagree, if you are just happy to be involved, you want the participation trophy, that's where I am with Yamamoto. Agreements and disagreements and various thoughts, that's where you can share them, at Benzie Kenny on Twitter. What I wanted to get to here, think about this for a second as I introduce it. If you had a magic wand, we know uh, one of my colleagues famously, I don't want to say got in trouble, but definitely had something kind of fly back in his face, a take he had. During the summer, Joe Giglio on the Midday Show wanted to wave a magic wand and undo the Trey Turner contract. This was before August 4th and the ovation and the subsequent torrid stretch, an amazing month, and him really lighting the team into the playoffs. If there's one move you can make, though, if you could wave a magic wand, undo something, make a trade, anything except sign a free agent, because the obvious answer is, oh, yeah, I'd have them sign Yamamoto or have them trade for Otani. Keep it in the realm of possibility. Now, Gilios would be undo Trey Turner. I'll, like that, that's included here. That's part of the, the scope of the thought. One hypothetical move that you would make with the team entering next season, because mine is crystal clear. As I go through the Yamamoto stuff, as I think about the team next year, as I think about how they stay competitive for the years into the future, where the Phillies stand right now, and I'll throw out mine in a second, giving time for thoughts to develop. But I'll, I'll put it out there like this. The Phillies and where they stand in terms of the luxury tax, I don't want to go deep into it because it's rather boring, to be honest, and doesn't really matter to us fans. Owners paying more money for a better team, that's what we want. But, again, they went over the first tier in 2022, which means that once you get over said tier, you have to pay a tax on overages, however far over you go, blah, blah, blah. Second tier, they went over in 2023. A big contract to Yamamoto would put them over the third tier. And each tier is $20 million apart. It was 237 257 and 277 respectively. And once you get above the next tier, your draft picks start to get altered. Your international bonus pool money starts to get altered. There are some real team-building penalties, albeit not big in the sense of compared to the guy you're signing. But still, there are real things that go on. It's not just write a check and make that go away. So with knowledge of all of that, and the team probably having to go over the third to make another big move this offseason, the one thing I would do, I would give away, if somebody's willing, to take on Taiwan Walker's contract. I would either wave a magic wand to undo it, or I would trade him away for free. Three years left on a four-year, $72 million deal. That's $18 million a year. So also think back for all of the NOLA haters that can't stand him in the regular season. Think about how much money he's making. It's what, seven for 172? Six for 172. He's making, I think, a little bit more than Taiwan Walker per year. It's just the length of it is what scares everybody. I don't think Taiwan Walker is a very good pitcher. 
I think he could bring value to the team in terms of eating innings and just going out there every fifth day, which, as I said, I value. But he was unpitchable in the playoffs last year. You're paying him a premium contract. And it's really the only bad contract on the team, which is crazy. Most big-time great franchises have a couple veteran contracts that are just looming over them that they can't seem to get out from under because it was signed and it didn't work. Here are the Phillies' most... Uh, the highest salaried players, and tell me one contract you think is bad. Bryce Harper, 27 mil a year, drastically underpaid. Trey Turner, 27 as well. I would argue still not a bad deal. He didn't perform the entire season, but not a bad deal. He'll have a better year coming up. Nola, 24 mil a year. JT, albeit he's getting older, but still 23 a year. He's been the best catcher in baseball, one of your best players for as long as he's been here. Zach Wheeler, 23 mil a year, drastically underpaid. Castellanos, that's when you might raise a flag and say, okay, yeah, the swing and miss stuff is concerning and you want consistency. But Nick Castellanos, since Bryce Harper has gotten, yeah, since he hurt his elbow, has been marvelous in right field. He's played every game out there for you. He did carry the offense for stretches last season. He has been a valuable player on this team. And as I said when I was outlining my perfect offseason, I would like to get out from under the contract because of the number, but I think Castellanos is worth more to the Phillies than he'd be worth anywhere else. For any team that is thinking about signing him, they would end up not paying as much to the Phillies because of the number. So he's worth more here. Why not keep him? That's where I am with Castellanos. And again, I think we've seen some outlier, just weird, total disappearing acts from him. But he's at $20 million a year. Kyle Schwarber, $20 million a year as well. I mean, leader of the team. I don't need to defend all of these, but the point I'm making is I'm going down, and now I get to Taiwan Walker, $18 million a year. I think it's a bad contract. I don't think it's the worst contract in the world. It's not Chris Davis of seven, eight years ago. But on this team, it's the worst contract that's currently on the books. Alvarado's making $9 million. He's your best reliever. Matt Strom's making seven and a half. I mean, I think he brings value to the team. That's not maybe the best. That's a little bit of a premium for him. Sir Anthony's making $4 million. All these other guys are pre-arbitration or in arbitration. So they're not really making that much yet. So there's one bad deal on the team. That's Taiwan Walker. So that's the deal that I, in theory, would undo if I had the power. Yes, he was 15-6 and six last year, but he had a 4-3-8 ERA. He was unpitchable in the playoffs. He really had a good month of June and then totally, totally melted down for the rest of the season, for the most part. Whip is way too high. It was like the highest in five years for him. It's just not somebody I think is going to be that good entering next season. He had the weird thing with getting shelled in the first inning. I just, out of all of the guys on the team, he might be the only one that I really either couldn't stand watching or didn't think should return for the next year if it's possible. And that's the angle. I mean, it's the only bad contract on the team. Right now, the contract is somewhat restrictive. If you took Taiwan Walker's deal off of the books right now, maybe they could go higher to get Yamamoto. Maybe they'd have a better chance. Maybe they could go out and get another deal done. Or take away this offseason, which I've said I don't need a big deal to be done. Enter next offseason, and you need another big bat because somebody retires or somebody is done or cooked or whatever. Or you need a big arm because something happens on the other side. Or you need this money this offseason to extend a Wheeler and to, I guess, extend Harper if he really wants it. The contract, this deal, to me, is the one thing getting in the way of all of that happening. So it's the one thing that I would try to undo or give him up for free. Give him up to a team like the Royals that needs innings. They've signed Michael Waka, Seth Lugo for $75 million. Just disgusting disgusting contracts given out. And they could use a guy like this because they just want innings. They just want somebody to be out there to pitch because the rest of their rebuild or the rest of what's going on is really not working. So that's where that's where I land on all of that. The one move I would make if I had some magic wand to do it. There are other options here. The Castellanos thing, I think people would bring up if you could include him in a trout trade. Like, I would rather... Give Taiwan Walker up for free and get out from under that and then go about the rest of the offseason with that money 
then I would trade or package Castellanos in a deal for Trout. My Trout thoughts have been clear, but also the Castellanos bit would be a part of that. And that's, I mean, that's how you get it done monetarily. But that's a deal that I would rather have the Taiwan thing done than that. There's that piece of it. I think people will say no more Garrett Stubbs because of his comments in the NLCS, which in theory, I I mean, I get the thought and I generally agree with it. Garrett Stubbs did light a fire under them. He also wasn't the star on the team that went cold. I hope he's learned his lesson, and I hope he knows not to say certain comments entering next season. He's a good backup catcher. He's good for the team. I've gotten over the Garrett Stubbs bit as one of the reasons they've lost. It's like the Eagles Super Bowl. It took a bit for people to get over the turf or get over the call on Bradbury and then maybe focus on the certain things like Jonathan Gannon's defense that directly did not give the team a chance. So I'm over the Stubbs thing. The Turner contract also, as Gilio said, that's one that, I mean, maybe he would still do it. I'm sure he would still do it despite the good things we've seen because that would then maybe put them, the Phillies, in the mix for other players. This offseason, I just don't know what it is. Like, it's not Bellinger. I don't want Cody Bellinger. He's asking for $200 million. There aren't those great position players that there were last offseason. So I actually, like, I would stick with the Turner deal. Maybe the worst-case scenario is you move him to second base in the future and move Stott back to short. I don't know. Stott's been incredible at second. I just think it was a weird, it was a weird year for Turner. And seeing the good happen, both against Atlanta and over the last couple months of the year, I think as we enter next season, that will be carried forward. So maybe we check back in after next season and see if truly we regret that contract being given out. So that's uh, those are the main things I think that would be brought up. There's also not giving Harper an extension, which I know some people are very adamantly against. Again, I'm for it. I would give Harper the extension, so I'm clearly not in that camp. So, I mean, generally speaking, Listen, this offseason has been pretty boring. Many would agree. But with the deal being extended to Yamamoto, as I led with, and I will continue to preach, with Walker's contract still on the books, everything I just went through in terms of the money that they would be over if this Yamamoto deal is given out with Walker, which is why getting rid of Walker would be paramount and would help a lot, all of that, Walker's deal is still on the books, and they're not getting rid of it. So I think the takeaway is, be assured, again, the Phillies are one of these big boys spending with the top dog. All right, it's on the clock, Ben Kenny. Um, I I do want to, speaking of spending, there's something going on television-wise that does not affect the Phillies, but does other teams. And it's a really interesting piece of what's ongoing in Major League Baseball. I want to touch on that. I want to touch on MLB rule changes, and then we will hit on some free agents that have recently been signed in trades that have gone through. That's coming up after this. It's on the clock. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we are back. It is on the clock. Phillies 24-7 and 94 WIP. And there are more rule changes. Whether that should be celebrated or not, 
aside from the points. The MOB Competition Committee, per Jesse Rogers of ESPN, approved the following rule changes for 2024. An 18-second pitch clock with runners on, two seconds down from 20 seconds. That's what it was last year. So if you thought Aaron Nola struggled with last year's pitch clock, wait till you see what he does when the one with runners on is shortened and he still tries to hold him as he is so accustomed to doing. There's that. There's four mound visits instead of five. If a pitcher warms up before an inning, he must face at least one hitter is the third bit. And they widened the runner's lane to first base. Mainly, I mean the top three, and the big purpose of all of this is obviously to shorten games and to restrict the dead time of games. There was a piece thrown in there that gave me flashbacks. They have fewer mound visits, but the catcher can still call one. But now he doesn't have to go out to the mound and fake a mound visit. He can just call it to avoid a violation, which is the JT Realmuto Craig Kimbrell rule. I mean, almost once in at bat, JT would have to call time, which is a disengagement. It's not a mound visit. But now, when he calls that time, he doesn't have to go out to actually talk with Kimbrell. He could just be like, all right, here we go. Uh, let's move on. So that's all the Titan games. And, I mean, I don't have a big opinion on it, to be honest, because generally I don't like the pitch clock. The television product, it works. It moves fast. When I'm at the game, I like for it to move slow. I like the general aura and presence of baseball, being at the park, things of that nature. But... This is the direction everything is moving, and it has worked. It has worked. So I am supporting it. I still hate the limited pickoffs with runners on, or at least that number being three. I hate the disengagement rule. And them still shorting it. Oh, and also I hate all of this still happening in the playoffs. But them still shortening it with runners on base, they see areas for improvement, blah, blah, blah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make people happy. They get to save seven minutes of their life. Whatever. I'm going to relay that information. I don't have really strict takes on it, except the two players drastically affected by these rules on the Phillies were Craig Kimbrell, no longer on the Phillies, thank goodness, and Aaron Nola, who is now long-term there, but maybe figured some stuff out in the playoffs last year. So hopefully that all works out, and it better. These guys are paid to figure this stuff out. So this is not an excuse by any means, this two-second difference they're going to have next season. So that's that. There's also this. Um, Jeff Passan put this out. This state of free agent spending in Major League Baseball. Very interesting look. Now, he put this out on December 17th, which was four days ago. So this has likely changed, almost definitely changed, since that point. But believe it or not, the Phillies are the second ranked. They have spent the second most money of any team in free agency. The Dodgers are first with Otani. The Phillies, because of Nola, are second. And then the Diamondbacks and the Giants and the Royals and the Cardinals. But I think this pairs. I mean, obviously, the biggest thing that sticks out first is that there are one, two, three, eight teams that have not spent a dollar in free agency yet. That is the Yankees, Twins, Rockies, Padres, Marlins, Mariners, Cubs, and Blue Jays. And I think this falls in line with a great article in ESPN about the ongoing saga that is regional sports networks and how this sport is shared on television. Because the Phillies are blessed, NBC Sports and that whole market, I believe they have they have Philly, they have Washington, um, they have San Francisco. Those NBC markets, I mean, do well and they're not in par- they're not they're not in danger. That happens for baseball and basketball. Are things still going to change going forward? Yes. It's hard to fill 24 hours of television content, even in an offseason, even when you have teams playing. It's just hard, and there isn't as much of a demand for it as there once was with all of streaming and everything. But there are, right now, regional sports networks that are actually folding. All of the Bally sports that used to be Fox Sports, ones that are, uh, they have the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, Twins, Rangers, Guardians, Royals, Reds, like half the league. Braves, Tigers, Marlins, Cardinals, Rays, Brewers. All of those networks are folding, and that directly affects the bottom dollar of how teams are getting money, how much money they're getting. 
I believe it's like 20% of total revenue comes from the television. Now, a lot of it is uh, ballpark, you know, turnstile tickets, things of that nature. But they're also television's a big piece. And the big dogs, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Phillies, as I've mentioned, um, they bring in obviously a lot more money disproportionately compared to everybody else. And it doesn't seem like revenue sharing is something that the big dogs would agree to. But when you look at the teams that are in danger, at least, of their regional sports network folding, the Padres just traded Juan Soto to get under, to, to try to cut spending to be more realistic. The Mariners had this great season in 2022, made the playoffs, and then cut their payroll. They cut spending instead of trying to improve upon that and get better. It's happening all over the place with teams. The Guardians are dangling Shane Bieber and others, some of their pitchers, to try to get better hitting without having to pay for it. It's like a lot of these teams are cutting their payroll as a way to better manage the business. And by doing like they're not spending, which disproportionately is affecting. Like now you have these teams that have one little glimmer of hope. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays are a perfect example of this every year. They have all these good players that end up leaving because they don't pay them. The Athletics are a layup example that team's getting sold. That's the extreme, though. It's happening all over the place. Now, an outlier right now, the Kansas City Royals just spent $105 million on Michael Waka, on Lugo, pretty much on pitching. Now, whether that was intelligently spent, $100 million, that's another discussion. They're spending, but their payroll was also nothing before that. But generally speaking, there are these markets and these teams that realize they can't keep stars. You have the Brewers that just signed Jackson Churio to a deal before he even reached the majors. Unprecedented deal, them signing this kid. He's like 19. Hasn't even reached the majors yet. He got 80 mil. But that's how they have to stay competitive because they can't actually give out this premium to these guys after they make it to the majors and then cash in on that big deal. They end up being free agents. They go to a bigger market that can afford it. So it's kind of it's a sad state of baseball, but it's a lot of these teams that aren't spending. It's also partially because their television network is folding. And we never really realized that because the Phillies are set and they are also spending and part of this network of of big market teams that are doing well. A lot of these teams aren't, though. So I, I don't mean to throw a pity party for them, but it sucks. Like, there has to be some sort of resolution where the sport as a whole can move on because the game has been positively affected by the pitch clock and all that. But then there's also the business part of the game, which feels a little unsustainable. It feels sustainable for the big markets and the big boys. It does not feel sustainable for the Milwaukee Brewers. If we're being completely honest, they might try to move. I like, I don't know what the deal is with all of the Marlins and you even have the Cardinals on there, but they'll be fine. But still television's a big piece of this. So I don't know. I don't know what the, what the solution is, but that's what's currently going on across the sport. All right. Um, just, uh, you know what? Let's step away. We will uh, take our final break and come back. The moves that have been made. We'll talk about free agency Coming up next as we close it out, it's on the clock. All right, Ben Kenny with you. Phillies 24-7, WIP, it's on the clock. Free agent moves, uh, the Phillies have made none, so they do not. I mean, their moves would qualify not for this segment. They would be towards the top of the show. There have been things going on, though. Jack Flaherty signed with the Tigers, $14 million. There's a common theme you're sensing here. Teams are desperate for pitching. I mentioned the Royals. They signed Michael Waka who was great for the Cardinals in 2013. He's been bouncing around, and he's not that good anymore. But they signed him because they need innings. Royals also signed Hunter Renfro, who is a right fielder that has now played, I think, on seven or six teams in seven years. Seven teams in six years. Been all over the place. Brewers, Angels, Rays, Red Sox. He's a good immaculate grid answer. But the Tigers signed Jack Flaherty. The Royals signed Waka. Everybody's desperate for pitching. The Dodgers, who I mentioned, bad rotation last year, trade big time. They trade for they trade Ryan Pepio and others for Tyler Glass now from the Rays, who, subnote again, Tampa Bay Rays can't pay their players. They get Glass now. They give him a five-year, $135 million extension. So if that hits, 
It's great. That's also a guy that's been really injured as of late. So I have no clue if that's going to work out. But they are desperate for those for pitchers. That's why Yamamoto means so much to them. It all comes, it all connects to each other. The Diamondbacks re-signed Lourdes Gurriel. And they've they've acquired Eugenio Suarez. They they signed Eduardo Rodriguez. They're making big moves. Credit to the Diamondbacks. I hate them. I hate Tori Lovello. I hate everything about all of them. But credit to them. They're competing. They're at least trying. Uh, and then you have the Mets. Oh, the Mets got Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor from the Brewers for a minor leaguer. Now, this is interesting because David Stearns, and we have like a minute, and I know this is not a Mets podcast, but David Stearns goes from Milwaukee to New York and the Brewers' salary dump, as I've been saying, and then the Mets are able to get Hauser and Taylor for free. And, I, I mean, that's a good deal for the Mets, straight up. Like Those are two players that could contribute for nothing. So uh, that's a Stearns move. And, again, David Stearns being in New York scares me. I think he's really bright. I do. I liked it better when they were run more ineptly. And now it seems like they have a really good general manager. So the only other thing is uh, John Morosi, who's been all over the place, says uh, once Yamamoto signs, that's another big domino. We know that Otani domino is one thing. Yamamoto is going to be another. A Brewers trade of Burns or Adamas could follow. So you have big stars. And also you have Cease from the White Sox. Big stars could be on the move. So if the Phillies can't sign anybody, do they make a trade? I don't know. There are options to get better. But we will, we'll be monitoring it closely. As always, I uh, appreciate everybody hanging with us. I know it's the holidays, so everybody enjoy them. If you don't listen to podcasts on the holidays, check in uh, once they're over. But we'll be back next week. As always, I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.